Well, I'm going to share from the Word this this morning a message that I, I kind of gave introduction to last week, but I didn't share it last week. I want to talk over the next weeks, months, whoever, however, maybe till he returns. And I, I'm entitling this, this, the theme would be a journey back to our biblical roots. A journey back to our biblical roots. You know, I was thinking recently as I was just spending some time in the Lord that there was a, um, a back, I guess it must have been the 1800s, a man named Frederick Nietzsche. Anybody ever heard of Frederick Nietzsche? Came up with a philosophy that basically said God is dead. That after the Reformation, God was no longer, he was just basically dead. He didn't exist. And you know, that philosophy, you can reject it outright, but that philosophy has seeped its way into our culture, seeped its way, unfortunately, even into, believe it or not, into the ecclesia, into the church in a lot of ways. And, and I want us, I want us to, to talk today because there has been, and I want us to, to really understand what, what we're all about here is God wants to recover a spiritual connection between the church in Israel that has been severed. And I think that lie about God being dead, it, it, it just seeped in. I grew up in the 60s. Anybody else grew up in the 60s? Yeah, most, most of us kind of remember the 60s. Some of us don't remember the 60s at all because of the things we were involved in. But basically, remember, the, you know, it was one of the things, reject all authority. Reject all authority. All authority is bad. And, and, and it's interesting because that movement swept across our country and all over Europe and, and a lot of the world, you know, reject all authority. And at the same time, you had the birth of the Jesus movement coming at the same time and the birth of the Messianic Jewish movement coming at the same time. So these, 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 conflicting, these conflicting movements are happening in the 60s and all of us kind of took a little bit of both in us. You know, and, and, and things drastically changed. When we say reject all authority, don't trust all authority, basically the ultimate authority is God and his word. And if we reject God and his word, what are we left with? Sinking sand, sinking sand. And so, and I've heard, and, and I shared this recently, you know, there was a, a while back, last year actually, 2018, a very well-known pastor who has a, a mega church on the East Coast, and he, he had a series of messages about that Paul and, and Peter and James and the apostles of the, of, of the book of Acts and, and, and the New Testament had to unhitch themselves from the Jewish scriptures in order to experience the newness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. What a lie. What a lie. But so many of us, not us, but so many people have accepted that lie to be a truth. And I was even in a meeting yesterday, and I won't say where it was at. It, it doesn't matter. But I heard a teacher basically say that, you know, the spirit is over everything, including even the word. And I kind of understood what he was saying, but you cannot divorce the word from the Torah. You cannot 
divorce the word from the spirit of God. You cannot because Yeshua says, I am the, he is the word, became flesh. And so it's a subtle but yet not so subtle movement happening in the body of Messiah in this country and in most of the Western world to sever our faith today from the ancient faith of our fathers. And so we need to understand what the scriptures say. And so this is going to be kind of a, a journey into our biblical roots, if you bear with me and bear with us, because I really believe um, the Lord has put this on our hearts because we're in a season that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I say that many times, but I am absolutely convinced of that. So if you would turn in your scriptures to Acts chapter 3. And uh, let me just give you the context of what's happening here. This is right after Shavuot. The Ruach HaKodesh has been, has been just poured out on, on these Jewish followers of Yeshua. And a, a ecclesia or ecclesia or a kahala, a ch the church, the, the new church is, is born in Jerusalem and, and exciting things are happening and, and people are getting saved. People are getting healed. It's an amazing thing. Peter and John, they went to the temple one day, and, and on their way there, they were past this guy, this paralytic, laying by the, the gate, beautiful. He'd probably been there for many years. They've seen him before. And he was begging because that's all he could do. He couldn't move. He was lying on his mat. And Peter and John, they just looked at him, and Peter says, I don't have anything to give you, but what I do have, I, I give to you. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, be healed, be healed. And the man got up after how many years he was laying there paralytic, and he got up and he began to jump and praise. And, and everybody in the temple gate saw this because they knew who that man was. They saw this phenomenon. They saw this miracle ta happening, and they're like, what's going on? What is this all about? So that was where I want to pick it up here in verse 17. Now, brothers, this is Peter speaking. Now, brothers, I, I, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders did. But what God foretold through the mouth of all his prophets, what God foretold through the mouth of all of his prophets, that his Messiah was to suffer, so he has fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return. So your sins might be blotted out. So times of relief might come from the presence of Adonai. And he might send Yeshua, the Messiah appointed for you. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all the things that, listen to this, God spoke about long ago through the mouth of his holy prophets. Moses said, Adonai, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. Hear and obey him in all that he shall say to you. And it shall be that every soul that will not listen to that prophet shall be completely cut off from the people. Indeed, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel on have announced these days. You are the sons of the prophets and also of the covenant that God cut with your father, saying to Abraham... In your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God raised up his servant and sent him for you, for him first to you, to bless you all by turning each of you from your wicked ways. 
It's interesting. How could we cut ourselves off from the Jewish scriptures when Peter, all he knew was the Jewish scriptures? And he said, the prophets told us this day was going to happen. This is what Moses said. This is what they said that was going to happen. And all of a sudden, it's happening. It didn't happen in a vacuum. God didn't all of a sudden change and say, okay, everything that happened before is done. This is the way to walk right now. You see, oftentimes we hear teachers who speak about we don't need the Old Testament scriptures. We don't need that. It's all obsolete. As a matter of fact, some will even go far as to say that the Torah has been nailed to the cross. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Otherwise, Peter wouldn't be preaching from that. That's all he preached to. When I go to the Jewish people and share the good news, guess what? I don't even go into the New Testament. I share the good news from Torah, from the Tanakh, from the prophets, from the letters, from the Psalms. See, we need to understand this because there is a subtle move within the body of Messiah to cut us off from those roots, and we can't fall for that. We see the picture of Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah. And Naomi has the two daughters-in-laws, and, and they both love Naomi. Naomi lost her husband. They lost their husbands. They both love Naomi. And she feels to call, go back to the place where she, to go back to Bethlehem where she's from. And she, she urges her daughters, you know, you don't have to follow me. Go back to your people and your gods. Go ahead, go back. And we know that Orpah, she loved Naomi. There was no doubt about that. But yet she said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my God. To, I'm going to go back to my people and my God. Small g, small g. But I love what Ruth's response was. This needs to be the response of the Gentile church to Israel and to their scriptures. Where she says, where you go, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. May Adonai deal with me if anything but death comes between me and you. You see, the church today, the one new man church, is a church of Ruth that is going to be clinging to Israel and says, your God is my God. Where you go is where I want to go. And I think God is in a... In a Right now, we're in this, this amazing season where, yes, there is this, this movement, a way to cut off from our Jewish scriptures, but there's also a movement where God is awakening his bride, his true bride, to say, Israel, love what I love. Do these things because I have purposes and I have plans that have been laid out from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelation. And I believe with that when Orpah departed from Naomi, she forfeited a spiritual blessing. And I believe that when a church departs from its biblical roots, it forfeits a spiritual blessing. This is a picture of the church today. Unfortunately, many people, they divide the word in such a way that it's, it's not really a proper way to do it. They interpret the Old Testament through the filter of the New Testament. That's what so many do. They look at things in the Old Testament only through the filter of the New Testament. 
Sacrifices don't understand, been done, don't have to do that with it, the purpose. And so we lose the purpose of what God instituted at the beginning. Why sacrifice? And instead, they're in the New Testament saying, he is our perfect sacrifice. We don't understand. We don't, sacrifices are over. We don't understand that. But we are to interpret the New Testament. And this is what, this is what the apostles did. This is what the first century Kehilah did, is they interpreted the New Testament, everything that was happening, in light of the Old Testament and the covenants. Matter of fact, there was no New Testament. There was no New Testament. Everything was interpreted through the scriptures of the Torah and the prophets. Everything. So when I hear somebody say, we don't need those anymore, I'm thinking, hello? How did Peter know that Shavuot and all of these things and miracles and, and all of these things, unless he was foretold through the prophets, how did he know that? This is why it is so important not to cut off the scriptures, not to cut off the Old Testament from the New Testament. Yes, the New Testament brings clarity to the mysteries. And there's a lot of mysteries in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament scriptures that we read and sometimes we don't understand it. And then we see that, for instance, the feasts. There's a lot, there's a, we, we see the feast laid out. And then we see Yeshua fulfilling that and go, oh, now I understand that. Now I understand that. So we see that in the Moadim, the fall feasts, the mysteries that we didn't quite understand. Now we see them fulfilled in Yeshua. Psalm, first chapter of Psalm, the first Psalm, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Happy is the one who has not walked in the advice of the wicked, nor stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers. But listen to this. But his delight is in the Torah of Adonai, and on his Torah he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, a planted tree over streams of water, producing its fruit during its season. Its leaf never droops, but in all he does he succeeds do not forget the Torah of Adonai, it says. And even all through the Torah, we see shadows. We see the, the Holy Spirit coming on the men of the, of the Old Testament, and they would prophesy, and they would do miraculous things, and the dead were raised. And you say, well, how come the dead were raised if Yeshua hadn't come? And it's a, that's a New Testament phenomenon. No, it happened back then too. God never changes. God never changes. We need to hold fast to all of the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament scriptures in these days. We have to hold fast to them. Malachi 3.6, for I am Adonai. Stop right there. I am Adonai. I do not change. He didn't all of a sudden wake up in Matthew. God didn't wake up in Matthew chapter 1 and says, oh, you know what? I've been cruel and mean and harsh, and, and I know you guys have understood. And sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to change how I do things and how I relate to you. He didn't all of a sudden have that epiphany. God always was, and he always is. And, he, and you know what? He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Yeshua said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We need to hold fast to what God has said. It's not God's fault I don't understand the scriptures. You know, when we start reading 
the Torah, when we start reading the prophets, when we start reading what we consider to be the Tanakh or the Old Testament, and we ask the, the Ruach HaKodesh to give us understanding and revelation, he is faithful and he will give us understanding. And then when we get that understanding, we'll go, just like Peter, wow, now I know what this means. Now I know. It, it, they get understanding. They get understanding from it. Let me just share a little bit where I'm coming from. I shared with you I was, um, I've been asked to, to um, substitute teach at Denver Seminary in the place of Chaim Erbach. And at first I thought, I, I've never even spent one day in Bible college or seminary. I'm not the person to do this. But Alain Dallaire, Dr. Dallaire asked me to do that for a couple of weeks. And it's been a real experience. But... You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a seminary graduate. I don't have degrees to, I do have a, a degree, but it's not a Bible degree. And, and so, but when I had an encounter and in, in see our relationship with the Lord didn't start, doesn't start in seminary or Bible school. I had an encounter with the Lord that changed my life, but it led me into the scriptures. It led me into the, the scriptures, and then I began to, to read things, and even things I didn't understand, but then I began to walk in faith and say, God, if you did that back then, you can do that to me, because you said you never change, and so if you did that for them, will you do that for me? And I would begin to put my trust, my faith, into what he said he would do, and then he would begin to do things, and my faith would grow, and I would start reading more of the word, because the word you know, if we don't have the word, we don't understand the character of God. We don't understand, we don't have knowledge of the Holy One. And as we grow in our understanding of his word, then we step out in faith and do the things that were done in the ancient days. And we begin to see God's faithfulness. Things begin to change. Things begin to change. And I've shared this before. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. The Torah is also God's instructions. I look at Torah, not just the first five books of the Bible. That is the foundation of everything. Everything that God says and lays out from creation all the way through the, the, the covenants is laid out in the Torah. But then we also have the prophets. We also have the scriptures and we also have the testimonies of, 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 of all the, the prophets and they all speak. And see, to me, that's the Torah of God, the instructions of God, the teachings of God. We need all of that. We need all of it. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. And then verse 18, he says, if the first fruit is holy, this is Paul. He's, he's, speaking, about, he's speaking about Israel and also not just Israel, but how a Gentile church is to look at the things, the covenant things that God has promised. He says, if the first fruit is holy, so is the whole batch of dough. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So why would we want to cut ourselves off from the root? Why would we want to cut ourselves off from those branches? And then he says in verse 18, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Paul lays it out very clearly because there were some issues going on between 
the Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Rome at the time. Do we need the Jewish scriptures anymore? What's the purpose? The church is replaced. You know, replacement the theology came out of this. Well, we don't need the Jewish scriptures anymore. You see, we're all part of that olive tree, and we all receive nourishment from the same root. But if you're cutting off, if you're cutting yourself off from the root, you're going to be starving to death. Lack of nourishment. So in order to really make that connection between God's, his entire word and the day that we're living in and, and what God is planning to do with Israel in, in these last days, we need to answer some key questions to be secure in our faith. Three key questions that I want us to look at. Do we trust in the same scripture that Yeshua, the apostles, and the early church did? Do we do we? Trust the same scriptures that they did. They didn't have any other scriptures. They didn't have any other scriptures. Peter preached the Tanakh at Shavuot. When Yeshua was tempted in the wilderness, what did he preach from? The New Testament? The New Testament didn't exist. He quoted, he quoted from the Torah against the enemy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 3, it says, He afflicted you and let you hunger. Then he fed you manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, in order to make you understand. This is what that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. This is Yeshua speaking to the devil. If Yeshua quoted those same scriptures, he is the word, he quoted his own word to the devil, should we not be quoting those same words? Is there anything new in the New Testament that was not coming out of the Old Testament? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. You must fear Adonai, your God, and serve him and swear by his name. The devil says, if you bow down and you worship me, all these kingdoms I'm going to give to you. Yeshua comes back at him with the word of God. Verse 16 of Deuteronomy 6. You are not to test Adonai your God as you tested him at Massah. Massah. If Yeshua used the Torah against the enemy, should not we also? Paul used the Tanakh to validate the New Testament in Romans over 60 times. He refers back to the Tanakh. He refers back to the Torah and to the prophets to validate the New Testament in the book of Romans. Second question, if the Tanakh was the word of God to them, is it still today? Has something changed? It's so crucial for us to be rooted because we're in a time of shaking. And we cannot unhitch ourselves from the Torah. We cannot unhitch ourselves from the Torah. And there is a movement, and that's what I've been saying. See, there's three things that cannot be shaken. His throne, it talks about in Psalms. His throne cannot his, be shaken. His authority, who God is, cannot be shaken. Secondly, his word. His word will not be shaken. We can trust his word. It doesn't change. It's not like the shifting shadows or the, or the sands or the waves of the sea. It doesn't change. And thirdly, his kahal, his 
kehilah, his ecclesia, will not be shaken. I'm talking about the true bride. The true bride of God holds fast to those scriptures. And I believe that holding on to the, the scriptures of, you know, we, how many of us want to see revival? How many of us want to see revival? And then you start getting into the nitty-gritty. What does revival look like? And everybody's got their own ideas of revival. Revival is when our, our congregation is overflowing. Hmm, maybe. Revival is when, when um, you can't find a parking place out in the parking lot because so many people are coming. You know what? I believe revival happens when, when husbands begin to love their wives, when families are healed, people are saved, People stop doing what they used to do. Revival comes when, when we start seeing God's purposes for these days. God, what he's doing in these days and, and, and holding fast to them. Revival is, is, is seeing that, yes, God has plans and Israel is included in those plans for these last days. Revival is when a church is at a point where it is actually causing the Jewish people to be jealous for their Messiah. That's revival. When the Jewish people who've rejected their Messiah start turning because they've heard the testimony from the church and they go, wow, that's life from the dead. See, that's revival. Is when a church comes into its understanding, its fullness of its role to play, joining together with the Jewish people to see God's purposes fulfilled in the last days. To me, that's revival. And when the Jewish people cry out and say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, that is really revival because they're the ones that have the covenantal right to invite the Messiah back to Jerusalem. When the church begins to understand that, and this is what our calling is as a messianic congregation, is to help the church to understand that, is that when, when they begin to understand that, then revival's going to come. Amen? It's a key to walking in the anointing and the glory is, is the connecting of the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures. The ancient paths and the scriptures that the early church put their faith in is what led to the outpouring of the glory in the New Testament. Third question, is the Tanakh as important as the Word of God as the New Testament is? Is there a... A level of importance, well, let's see, the Tanakh is this up here and the New Testament is here. No, God is a holistic God. All of the scriptures together. There is no more important. But you do have to have the foundations. You have to have the foundations. You can't build a house starting with the walls and the roof. You have to start with the Hayasod, the foundations, and build upon that. If Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and, and Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image after our likeness, is not the foundation of our faith. Everything else is built on sand. If that is not the foundation of our faith, then everything else doesn't matter. Yeshua himself said in John chapter 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures because you suppose that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. 
So let's turn to 2 Timothy 3.16, and we're going to close things out with this. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. And it's interesting because we quote these verses every day in our Torah service. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, for training in righteousness, so that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed. If we don't understand this, and if we don't study the whole counsel of the word of God, we'll be, by default, become unhitched from our biblical faith. Because what is the scripture that Paul is talking about in writing to Timothy? He's talking about Torah. He's talking about Tanakh. God-inspired words. And you see, the enemy wants us to become unhitched from our biblical roots. He wants us to become unhitched from the Old Testament. Old Testament theologian named Walter Kaiser just did a survey of the scriptures. He said there's over 300 directly quoted verses in the New Testament. 300 directly quoted verses from the Old Testament. 1,100 paraphrased verses. 1,600 verses for proof that Yeshua is the Messiah. All of that points to the New Testament. Example we see in, as Paul writes to the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, the scriptures. What scriptures is he talking about? What is he referring to? The Torah, the Tanakh. That's what he's referring to. He said, the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaim the good news to Abraham in advance, saying, all the nations shall be, shall be blessed through you. This is like Shaul has this revelation on the road to Damascus, and then God begins to train him up and to, and to show him who he is. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, then, and then Paul begins to have a revelation of like, wow, you mean the Gentiles? Oh, this is, this is what was promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. You see how it all comes together? It wasn't just like a vacuum. Paul had this, you know what? It's not just for us, it's for them. It's all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. It's like Paul has this gigantic revelation of the true meaning of the scripture that he knew his whole life. And then the Holy Spirit gives him understanding of that scripture that he knew his whole life. You ever have that happen? You know a scripture and all of a sudden you get revelation and they go, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I just got an understanding of that. But 2 Timothy, let's spend a little time, just a few minutes, breaking this down in the next few minutes. It's, just, it's, just, it's just inspired. God breathed. It's just as accurate as if he wrote it. That's what that means, inspired. Just as accurate as if he wrote it himself. And it also says profitable, useful, and advantageous. That's what it means. Paul encourages the church to study the Tanakh to get all of our doctrines. We get all of our doctrines from what God has said through the Torah and through the Tanakh. That's where our doctrines come from. First of all, how do we understand salvation? How do we understand salvation if we don't understand Leviticus chapter 16? It talks about Yom Kippur. Wow, there's a need for an atonement. Okay, where's the atonement? 
Yeshua is our perfect atonement. How do we know about that unless we read Leviticus chapter 16? How do we know about Yeshua as the suffering servant unless we understand, have revelation of Isaiah chapter 53? So important for us to have a, a holistic view to God's word and to who he is. Verse 17. It says, the word makes us perfect, thoroughly equipped for good deeds. The word makes us perfect, thoroughly equipped for good deeds. The Tanakh, like I mentioned, is powerful for evangelism. When I share with Jews, I don't go to the New Testament for, them, it's, for many of them, it's a forbidden book. They've never read it. They won't understand it. But they will understand their own scriptures. And I start talking to them about their own scriptures. I start talking to them about blood sacrifices. I ask them if they sin. Most of them say, yeah. I say, well, where do you go for forgiveness? How do I know about sin? The Torah condemns me. See, we know this because it's written in the Torah. If we're called to share with Jews, and by the way, at Orchai Messianic Congregation, we are called to share with the Jews, wherever they are, and everybody else too, but we are called to share with Jews. And I want to get some training in here this next year on how do we witness to a Jew. And uh, would you guys be interested in that? We're going to start looking at the best person, the best people to do that and bring some training into that. The Torah and the Tanakh, God says, this is the way to live. God says throughout the Torah, this is truth. He says throughout the Torah and the Tanakh, this is how to live a prosperous life. Yeshua came and he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We need to ask the Ruach HaKodesh for revelation of the power in the Tanakh. Would you stand with me as we close this, this morning? I just, <clears throat> this is where we're going to be going over the next weeks, is to be connected in our faith, you know, and, and that there not be this, this schism between somehow the New Testament. And you know what? There's even argument of what is the New Testament? Does the New Testament begin in Matthew chapter 1? No, it really doesn't, you know, because... They're still under the Old Covenant. They're still under the Old Testament, Matthew chapter 1. So God wants us to have a holistic view of his scriptures. Yeshua said, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. I love it when, when Aaron says, you know what, the Lord's really put it on my heart to, to not just meditate, but to memorize scripture and memorize books of scripture. There's something important. If he's put it on your heart, Aaron, I believe it's because God says, you're going to need this. You're going to need to recall these things. Not just the, the address or somewhere it's in there, it's in that book, but the actual real location of that scripture. And I think God is calling us to meditate on his word and to, to really eat it and, to, and to, that it become our substance. To become our substance. That doesn't mean that we're 
you know, we're, we're, we're consuming the word at the expense of the spirit. No, we need all of it. I need all of the word. I need all of the Ruach HaKodesh. It's not just one or the other. You know what balance is? Balance is to be fanatical about everything. Every aspect of God, that's what balance is. If you're going to be fanatical about the word, be fanatical about receiving the Holy Spirit. Because they're one. Amen. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And this is one of, in John chapter 8, he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A lot of people forget the first part, and they just said, the truth will set you free, the truth will set you free, but you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do we know the truth? What are you trying to say? I got, I'm out of time. Capital T, know the person called truth. I am out of time too, but <laughs> she's going like this. It's like time out. <laughs> you will know the truth and the truth is in the person of the Lord. He is in the person of Yeshua and he will lead us into all truth and that he, he lives in our heart in the person of the Ruach HaKodesh. You see the wholeness and, and Yeshua said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeshua said to those who didn't believe in it, said, my word has no place in you. And the word became flesh and, and tabernacled among us, Sukkot, Sukkot among us. We looked upon his glory. Yeshua is the living Torah. We sing Etz Chaim every week because that's who he is, the living Torah, who's abiding in us. He doesn't want to just visit us every once in a while. He wants to take up habitation. And you know what? We really grow in our understanding of, of him living in us when his word just, just comes alive. Have you ever had those experiences? I remember the first time I ever read John chapter 15. And I'm going to close on this because it's 1 o'clock. But um, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to share, share something with you. I was stoned out of my mind. Okay? And uh, I was a believer. And it was the first time that I had actually, I'd been a believer for a couple of years, and I went on this business trip, and, and, I, and I went to my buddy, and I hadn't had a, smoked a marijuana cigarette in such a long time, and so I, I got this, I got two, two marijuana cigarettes, and, and I'm in my hotel room, and I'm smoking, and I just thought, what the, what am I doing? What is this all, why am I doing this? And I opened up the Bible, and it just plopped open, it was one of those, plot methods of hearing God's voice John chapter 15 and I started reading that and it was like he and it wasn't because I was stoned this was the reality he came into the room I felt his love yeah I blew it and that by the way that was 40 years ago that was the last time I did so I don't want you going out of here saying yeah my, my pastor my rabbi man he smokes pot you know this was a long time ago but this is a God came into that room and those words that were I can't explain to you they that not just came off the page they came in and settled in my heart if you abide in me my words will abide in you and I'm like wow and it was like a to experience that and I'll never those those verses just leapt out of the page to my heart so, Father, in the name of Yeshua, I just pray that your word, Lord, will leap off the pages and not just stay in the Bible, not just stay in our Bible studies, but become our life, would become our life.
Not so that we can show up everybody how smart we are and quote Bible verses all day. But so that as we're, we're walking in the morning, in the afternoon, we're walking and we're fellowshipping with you, your word is coming alive in our hearts. And then when we come to somebody and, and we sense they're, they're struggling with something, we're able to be your living word to that person. So Father, I desire that all of us would become devourers, hungry. Lord, and I pray, I pray for a hunger would be released. A hunger would be released in each and every one of us for more of you. Lord, we need more of you in our lives. Lord, we need your word. We need your ruach. We need you. Lord, we're, we're in a season where we see everything around us being torn apart, torn down. We see so much and polarization going on around us. Lord, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, but your word will not be shaken. Your throne will not be shaken. And Lord, as we are your children, Lord, we will not be shaken. So Father, I pray for the courage and the boldness and let that word would come alive in our hearts. In Yeshua's name, amen, amen. Oh! 
remember that song from Leon Patillo way back in the day? Oh, man, I love that. He is wonderful. Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He's a living word. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you for today. And as I mentioned earlier, I don't want anybody to leave here without meeting my Yeshua, our Yeshua. It's just we're living in a day where there is no other way. There is no other way. So come talk to me if you need to know this. I want to just pray with you and just and, and invite you to know him because he, he loves on you. I want to close our service with the ironic blessing. Why don't we do this as a mishpacha, just reach across the aisles, all of us, and just kind of, if you've got a talit, incorporate others under that talit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God spoke to Moses to speak to Aaron and the priests. The children of Israel would gather that you're to bless them in this way. Yair Adonai his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace. His presence, his glory would wash over you. Lord, you would, and that you would experience him in, in ever deeper ways. And Lord, I pray for hunger, more of a hunger for you and your ways in this day. In Yeshua's name, amen, amen, amen. You know, just as a close you know, I've been, some of you know, I've been going into the prisons. I've been going to the prisons every other week on Friday nights, and I was there last night. And, and you know, it's just so, it's so cool to be with these guys. And some of them have been in for a lot of years and have a lot of years more to go in their, in their sentence. And, um, but they are free. They are free. Because, I mean, they're not free physically, but they're free in the sense that they understand who they are in Messiah set them free. And it's just fun to see that. So, you know what? We're free doubly. We're free in our spirits, but we're also free because we're not behind bars. But I tell you what, let's walk in that freedom. But let's know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? God bless you. Shavuot Tov. Everything going on this afternoon, Torah Club.
dance, lunch. Everybody, come on. Amen. So I want to hand you It's not just me because other people are saying something. <laughs> 